The Penguins split their back-to-back games against the Carolina Hurricanes and the Vegas Golden Knights this weekend. And in today's episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast, Pat and I are going to recap those games, plus get you all set for another massive week for this hockey team. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Joined by my co-host, Patrick Dant. You can follow him on Twitter at Cinnamon for Wet. And you can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first lesson slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. And finally, today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. So it is a victory Monday. We are going to get to that win against the Vegas Golden Knights a little bit later. But we do have to start today's show with the, I guess, bad vibes portion with the loss to the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday night. I was not able to watch those first two periods. I was in Blacksburg for a Virginia Tech game. It's my first time back in my alma mater since before I graduated. Really nice to get back down there. was able to watch the full third period, though, but was also able to go back, watch the film on the first two periods. I really liked how the Penguins came out in that first period against the Hurricanes. They took it to the Carolina. And Cindy Crosby got things started with a goal. Really nice seed from Jake Gensel to get that to said to get that pass on Tiranta. And the second period, like good teams do, the Hurricanes pushed back. Penguins did not really play that well of a second period. And then the third period, it's kind of it kind of went like how a lot of these past games against the Hurricanes have gone. It's a coin flip going in, and the Hurricanes win it. And that's how it's gone for the past four or five games against that team. It's tied going in. The Hurricanes get that first one. Sidney Crosby wills the team back to tie the game. And then a bad defensive blunder by Eric Carlson. And then Ricard Raquel not picking up his man in front of the net. Hurricanes get the game-winning goal 3-2. Then they get the empty netter late in the third period. But it's just really frustrating, man, that these games against Carolina, I don't know, I just said it twice in like the 30-second span, they're total coin flips, but they never go the Penguins' way against the Hurricanes and the Devils now, the Penguins are 0-7-3 in their last 10 games. That's not good enough, and it has to change if this team wants to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing I'll say, though. The Devils give them fits for whatever reason, and they're just never good against them, at least not in the last couple of years. They have not been good against the Devils. The Hurricanes are just a good team, man, and when you play a good team, Sometimes you lose, and I know people are going to hear that and think I'm making excuses. I agree. Yeah, eventually you got to beat this team. Eventually five in a row, gotta... Pat. Five yeah, in a row. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just frustrating. But, but you look at that game uh, on on Saturday, and it was played on fairly even terms throughout most of the night, and it just didn't go the Penguins' way. I can't watch that game and sit here and get mad about it because Carolina's a great team. Penguins are a pretty good team, and it just didn't go their way. What I will say, one of the problems is, you know, you look at who scored for the Penguins. It was Crosby twice. Assist from Gensel, assist from Carlson, assist from Latang, assist from Rust. 
That's where the difference between these two teams is. Aho scores Teravinen and Jarvis. Burns scores Slavin and Svechnikov. Jarvis scores his first Slavin and Burns. Jarvis, Aho, and Teravinen. Penguins depth players have to be better in a game like that. They have to supplant your team a little bit better. And I know that the guys I named for Carolina are their top guys, but Slavin had been in a pretty long slump and it was time for him to break it. And he finally did. And you look at a guy like Ricard Raquel, who really needs to get himself out of a slump. That would have been a nice night for him to do that. But then overall, though, like I said, you look at the stats, you look at the analytics from this game. It was an even game. And Jari played fairly well. 9-10 save percentage. Didn't really give up anything that made you worry. And just that's the thing you remind, remind yourself is that National Hockey League and the Metro is a pretty damn good division. So right. uh, there's no shame in losing a one goal game because I'm not counting the empty netter to the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, I mean, like you you look at the stats here. I mean, Hurricanes had 11 more shot attempts, five more scoring chances at five on five. Penguins led in high danger. They held Carolina to 10 high danger chances, five on five. And I'll take that against a team that's as good as Carolina. Expected goals, a little bit more lopsided. Carolina had 58% of the expected goals. 41% for the Penguins. If you go to all situations, though, 57-42 in terms of expected goals. And then the Penguins, again, 15 high-danger chances score at, at all situations, 10 against. You'll take that against a team as good as Carolina. Again, it's just super frustrating that every balance, I think, that the Hurricanes, they just, they get all the balances, I think is what I'm trying to say, against the Penguins. And they had a golden opportunity in this game, the Penguins, to at least steal a point. Crosby ties that game after a ridiculous rush by Eric Carlson. He drew a penalty. Honestly, could have been a penalty shot there, to be yeah. honest. And Crosby able to tie that game. Just a nice celebration right after. You're thinking, okay, if they can just weather this storm for the final 8, 9, 10 minutes, get this to overtime, get a point, see what you can do in the 3-on-3 three three because the Penguins have been a bit better in 3-on-3 three three going back to the late stages of last season. But – they weren't able to do that because of the blunder from Eric Carlson. I didn't like what he did there from behind the net after his great rush to tie up the game. The fans were starting to boo. I don't care about that, man. You can let them boo. Don't make a rash decision from behind your net. He sends the puck to the left side, gets intercepted, starts the rush from Carolina, and then Ricard Raquel is not even picking up Seth Jarvis in front of the net. And honestly, man, we can get into that right now too. I don't know what the solution is here with this player. You could scratch him like Columbus is doing with Patrick Laine, though I'm not sure how good that's going to do for him considering how much money he makes. You could try to look to trade him, even though I don't know who's going to want him right now. They tried demoting him in that game against, against Carolina. It didn't work. They tried putting him up in the top six against Vegas. It didn't work. Pat, they have a major problem with him right now. He's not scoring. He's not even showing off his playmaking abilities. He's not playing well defensively. He is a black hole when he is on the ice. And I just don't know what the solution is with him. Uh, I think a night or two in the press box helps. Uh, I don't know. You think they should pack put... one him, I guess? I, I think, and here, here's the thing. Everybody is rightfully flaming the Columbus Blue Jackets for scratching him. But I listened to what Pascal Vincent said about it. He said, he's a great goal scorer. He's elite. He does things well. He's just in a slump and he needs to get back in the lab and get back to the things that made him successful. And 
you look at what they've done with Raquel, it's very similar, and I'm not comparing the two players. It, it, it's similar to what they've done with line A into where they moved line A to center, then back to wing. They put them on a different line. They put them up in the lineup. They put them down in the lineup. You look at Raquel. They put them up in the lineup. They put them down in the lineup. They've tried all the stuff you can try uh, to keep it, keeping him in. And this is a moment where you sit him down and you go, listen, Ricard, it's the old, it's the old Bob Johnson thing. If you ever watch the uh, 1991 Stanley cup movie, where he, I, don't, I can't remember what player he's talking about. I think it's Kevin Stevens he's talking about. Where he said he basically says he told Kevin Stevens, get away from the hockey rink. Go see a movie. Go out to dinner. Don't think about hockey. Just disappear for a while. And if you're Mike Sullivan, sit down with Ricard Raquel and go, I'm sitting you down against the Rangers on Wednesday. Uh, next day or two, go to the movies. Go see a Marvel movie. Go watch something on HBO max, whatever it is you do. And just don't think about hockey. Don't think about the penguins. Don't think about the Rangers. Don't think about goal scoring, do anything else. Just go get your head on straight because right. this isn't a bad player. This no. is not a guy who suddenly got space jam monster taking all his talent away. He's still a very good hockey player. He was great for them last year. Had over 25 yeah. goals. And I think if you pull him out of the lineup for a game or two and just say, go back to basics. This isn't us saying you're terrible. This isn't us saying we're giving up on you. This is us saying you need to hit the hard reset button. And if that requires sitting down for a game or two, sit down for a game or two. It's a long year, long year, long way to go here. And you just tell them, get your head on straight, disappear for a little bit. And if that doesn't work, they may have to explore other avenues. And I can't even believe I'm saying that because because I thought he was going to be really good this year. And it's just really unfortunate seeing him just not out there like he normally is for the Penguins. But we'll have to monitor that situation. Going back to something you said earlier about the Hurricanes debt players for this game, the last point I make. You're right. You know, it was Crosby and the same usual suspects on the score sheet for the Penguins. Not good enough from the third and fourth lines. And I challenged them going forward. They did make me shut up for that Vegas game. And we'll get to that in just a second, but it still is out there where sometimes, you know, more than even just this game against Vegas, you need your depth guys to step up when your top six doesn't fully have it. And you didn't see that against Carolina. Sure. Sidney Crosby was on the top of his game, 11 game point streak. He has been unbelievable this season leads the league in five on five scoring. The fact that he is playing at this level and the Penguins record is what it is. It's just crazy to me. You know, the only nine and eight and Sid has just honestly turned back the clock to when he was 22 when he's 36. But I didn't see enough from the depth players in that game. And again, they turned it around against Vegas, but I still want to see more of that, Pat, against teams in their division, especially Carolina. Yeah, a lot of big, a lot of chances coming up here in the next week for them to do it. Yeah. And as we're going to get into here in a minute, it was a great showing against against Vegas and I do think that this bottom six, and we've said it on the show, is starting to turn a corner. They've they've started to put in more consistent, more encouraging performances, and that can only mean good things for this roster. I didn't think the third line or fourth line played that well against Carolina, though I think the Hurricanes are also much deeper than the Penguins are, in my opinion, but they did play a bit better against Vegas. And speaking of that, coming up in the second segment, Pat and I are going to get into that game against Vegas, what the Penguins did right versus what they did wrong against Carolina, and everything else regarding that game. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about eBay Motors. 
Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and so much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you'll get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes. Join my co-host, Patrick Damp. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. I feel like if the Penguins had lost this game against Vegas, the city would have just burned, considering what happened this weekend with Penguins losing on Saturday. You had the Steelers lose in embarrassing fashion on Sunday. This city needed something to celebrate, and we get a victory Monday with the Penguins beating the Golden Knights 3-0. Their fifth shutout, Penguins, their fifth shutout already this season. They have already broken last year's total for shutouts. I believe it was two all of last year. So the Penguins, their commitment to defensive hockey has been very evident so far, and their goaltending in those games has been excellent. Let's start out with that, man. Alex Delkovich, take a bow. Coming back from that injury that put him on injured reserve, he was seeing the puck really well all night long. He was aggressive in net, just played a very sound game. And I know it's been early. Only three starts for him this year. Two of those three, though, have been awesome. And I think he's already played at a level that Casey DeSmith didn't reach last season. And I'll also say this. Usually the Penguins, over the last couple of years, they've been really bad in the second half of back-to-backs. They haven't gotten the goal thing, especially from Casey DeSmith. But in this one, Delkovich was fresh. He was healthy. He gave them a spark. And I think the skaters really fed off that in this game. And I, I've been seeing the upgrade with the backup goaltender spot already this season. And it's been nice to see. Shout out Nadelkovich. Also has the stones to wear a Miles Garrett jersey in the Penguins locker room after what happened with the Steelers-Browns game. Hey, if people are really mad about that, go kick rocks. He's a Browns fan. It's fine. But still, really great performance from him, man. And it's nice seeing what a competent backup looks like. I will say, I don't believe in the goalie controversy here, people. I'm not going to sit here and say that he should you know, be they should be riding him and all this stuff. But if you do want to maybe do a split like 60, 40 in favor of Jari, 55, 45, I won't argue that. I don't think there's a controversy or anything, but I, I do think he could at least get some more starts compared to just getting the second half of back-to-backs like Casey DeSmith did. I will say, I do think Jari is your starter, but I'm not believing in a controversy. I do think there is a case to give him more work now <laughs> moving forward, especially with the volatility of, Tristan Jari, we don't know what we're getting out of out of him night after night. It's nights he shows up like in Carolina, he was genuinely pretty good. He was good. Uh, yeah. wasn't wasn't great, or it, but at the same time, you're also leaving out. I think uh, the most important fact about Alex Nedeljkovic: less than 48 hours after scoring a goal in the American Hockey League in a great performance with Wokes Bear, so big couple of days for him. And I mean, you look at the way this team has played this month overall. I think this has been a very, very good November so far. Three shutouts already. Like, they shut out the Ducks, they shut out uh, Buffalo, and now they shut out Vegas. And those are three teams that aren't really 
bad. Like that, that that's impress. Those are impressive shutouts. So, uh, yeah. I mean, also you look at the way they played last night. It was a ve- again. It gets into what we've talked about on this podcast. They played a very disciplined game. They did not let themselves get into a track meet with Vegas. Now, to be completely fair, Vegas did not look like Vegas last night. That did not look like the team they have been all season long. And they also played the night before, too. Just right. But, again, you can only play the game that's in front of you. You can only play the opponent that's in front of you. You can't say, Mr. Official, please take this game back to the kitchen. It's not done well enough. I, I don't want it to count. So... You, but you have to you have to give the credit where it's due. They did not take unnecessary risks. They did not try to play a track meet with the Vegas Golden Knights. And then most importantly, with the exception of the empty net goal, two bottom six goals. And you get two more goals from your bottom six against arguably the best team in the sport right now. Things are looking good. Right. No, I agree with you. And again, I challenge the bottom six to be better after that loss against Carolina because it wasn't doing enough. I mean, I saw the third line cook a little bit during that winning streak, but it tailed off, I thought, a little bit towards the end. The fourth line, I thought, was okay, still not good enough. Well, in this one, you get Ryan Graves scoring his first goal as a Penguin. Congratulations to him. I also thought he played a pretty sound game in this one, one of his better performances this year. Noah Chari, he gets his first goal as a Penguin. Really nice feed from Matt Nieto, by the way. And on a night where some of the Penguins players don't have it. Heck, Cindy Crosby's point streak was snapped in this one. You need those depth players to step up, and they sure did in this one. Heck, I've been waiting for Nolachari to do anything this year. He scored 14 goals last year, finally gets his first in this one. Hopefully that's a start of something to come with him. Ryan Graves, you know, he's not known for scoring goals for his role as a defenseman, but it's nice to see him get his first of the year, even though, again, he doesn't score that much. And you can see, again, the rest of the team, especially the top six, they fed off that. They're, they're not being relied on every shift to try to go out there and score. And this is the type of game that I feel like has honestly been a little few and far between in terms of who scored in this one. But it was nice seeing those players really step up when he did. And, of course, Evgeny Malkin gets the... Empty net goal was funny. I was watching that game live at PPG and Sid was right there with him. And Gino's like, nah, you're not going to get your point streak for this one. <laughs> he just, he ripped it to the net. And I'll tell you a story about Nadelkovich. I was speaking with Josh Yowie after the game. I met him after. And he told me that Nadelkovich was actually trying to score when the net was empty, when it was 2 nothing. Latang took the puck from him. was like, no, you're not going to do that. But Nadelkovich was going to try to score in this one. I wanted to see what he could do with it. But Again, man, overall, really nice performance, especially, let's get into this, defensively. 10 high danger chances against for Vegas at 5-on-5. Five five. Just a really sound job from the Penguins defensively. I thought they clogged up the neutral zone a lot better in this one. They kept Vegas for the most part outside. I mean, Nidokovic had to make some high danger chances, saves, excuse me. But it wasn't, I think, as bad as Carolina with Tristan Jari, especially in the third period. It, it's the, the, the blueprint continues to be there for this team, they just have to execute it at this level. And they really did a great job of shutting down Vegas and their top players. Because I didn't really notice Jack Eichel at all. Mark Stone was a ghost. Just a really great job defensively by the Penguins. And I, I said this during the game uh, on Twitter, and I was very impressed with it because 
it looked like in the first 10 minutes or so of the third period, they were going to be content to just sit back and kind of clear the defensive zone, gain the red line, dump it in deep and just retreat to a defensive posture. But the Penguins team, even though they have five shutouts, I don't think get the credit they deserve for being as good defensively as they are. Are they a good to great defensive team? No, they never have been. They never will be. That's not the franchise's DNA. But they are a lot better defensively than they get credit for. However, the thing they started to do that I wanted to see them do last night was when you have that lead and you get into the final period, whether it's the last 10 minutes, 15, or the entire 20, they always tend to struggle when they go into a shell, when they decide they're going to defend rather than attack. And then once they kind of got their bearings back in the third period, they went back on the attack. Yeah. They started taking the game to the Golden Knights. And that's when the Penguins are at their best. That's not saying you have to stay in full-out attack mode. You don't have to be pushing the issue and forcing everything mm. when you're up. But this team does not do well when they sit back, when they go into a shell. And they looked like they were getting ready to do that against Vegas in the third period. And then something shifted, and they went back to taking the attack to Vegas, and it ended up leading to a shutout. Yeah, those first five to six minutes, it kind of felt like the Penguins were content with just, oh, we're going to skyhook the puck out, send it to the red line, and then, oh, we'll play defense. But I think hopefully Mike Sullivan must have been like, okay, we're not going to do that. And you know, they went back on the attack. And I will say this, so far this season, compared to last season, Penguins are doing a much better job at defending leads in the third period. Remember how bad they struggled with that last year, whether it was a one-goal lead, a two-goal lead, heck, even a three- or a four-goal lead. They would always let the other team creep back into it. They didn't really do that in this one against Vegas, and they haven't really done that in these other games, especially against Colorado. Heck, they did it against the Ducks during the West Coast trip a couple weeks ago. The, The Washington game, and I know Washington's been playing a bit better as of late. They've been defending a lot better in the third periods, and that's at least a step in the right direction. I also thought the penalty kill came up massive in this one, especially late in the third period where the Penguins took that penalty with about four minutes left. The PK was very aggressive, which I liked. They still took away the high danger areas for the Golden Knights, and they also let Nadelkovich see everything. They were clearing the net front, whether whoever was there, whether it was Stone, whoever else the, the Golden Knights wanted to put in there. And they were making his job easier. And, of course, Ndokovic was making the saves. I also thought Chad Weedle enjoyed a pretty solid game in this one. I know he got hurt towards the end. There's really no update as of right now. And the Penguins don't practice on Monday. But he was getting his stick into lanes, breaking up some passes, also deflecting some shots into the netting. I thought he was pretty good on the PK. But overall, I thought that unit was really stout. It's continuing to, I think, build some momentum this year. Power play, though, that's... A mess to say the least, but I really wanted to highlight the PK because it's been making some progress throughout the year. Don't look now, top 10 penalty killing team in Pittsburgh right now. There we go, Mike Bellucci. There we go, man. (laughs) Eighth eighth best penalty kill in the league right now at 84.9%. And considering the way the league is starting to shift towards more offense and more of a focus on scoring, having having around 85% penalty kill is about as good as you can realistically ask. Do we yeah. want it to be better? Of course you do. We'd love them to be 100%, but that's not realistic. So if they can stay in the 85 to 90% range this season as a penalty-killing unit, that's a huge success. So same time, though, I, I got to agree with our pal Josh Yohe. Like 15.2% on the PK is not 
great. The power play, you mean? Yeah, the power play. But oh, at, the, at the same Sorry. time, <laughs> at the same time, they're not getting a lot of penalties. They're not right. getting a lot of opportunities. So it's kind of a chicken and egg a little bit because yeah, you would like to see it do better. You would like to see them score more on the power play, but they're not getting a ton of opportunities. Then again, when they get those opportunities, they should score. And it's not even just that. Like, obviously, I want the Penguins to score in every power play they get, but that's not realistic. I just want to see even a semblance of what a power play should look like. And we saw it in the first opportunity in that game against Vegas. The first unit was out there for about a buck 30. Got a lot of very quality chances. I'm surprised the Penguins didn't score. But then the the next one after that, it looks like they hadn't practiced a power play ever this year. It's just the volatility and what the power play looks like compared to another one that they get right after. It's so weird to me. And I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I mean, I know Tar Reardon is not doing his the best job with this unit. I'll say that. But something's got to be fixed with this man. It's There's too much talent on this unit for it to be this bad. It's unacceptable. And I want sooner or later, sometimes you need your power play to win you a few games. We yep. haven't seen that so far this season. And if the Penguins do want to make the playoffs, I think you're going to have to see that in at least a few games down the stretch here because it's unacceptable for you know that has Eric Carlson, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, the list goes on. We put Riley Smith in there, Ricardo Kelly's been on there too. It's unacceptable for a unit with that much talent to be this bad and look from going like world beaters on one time to just absolute trash the next one. And heck, it's been few and far between when we see them look like world beaters on that unit. It's just not good enough, man. Yeah. And, and, and real quick before we head to our final segment, it's also why I can't quite totally get there on the coaching. Like it's not excusing it. Like it's gotta be better. He's but, bad, yeah. But when you have a unit with that much talent, eventually execution is your problem and not the coaching. Like there's so much talent on this unit that, You've given them the keys. Now they just need to drive the damn vehicle. Right. And we also have played 17 games. I mean, that's a decent sample size here, people. I mean, yeah. almost the 20 game mark here. Thanksgiving is this Thursday. You'd like to see more progress with this unit. Hopefully that'll come. But right now it, it, it's a big issue. Overall though, man, great win against the Golden Knights. That's six of their last eight for the Penguins heading into this week. And speaking of that, coming up to end the show, Pat and I are going to get into this massive week for the Penguins. It's this schedule, man. It continues to be very daunting for the Penguins. We're going to get you all at least a little bit set for the game against the Rangers. And then later on this weekend, a big back-to-back for the Penguins. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about Sleeper, which is the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is the number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because of Sleeper. You can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. You can do this by yourself. You can do this with your friends. Heck, you can even do this with your family. And you can do other sports as well, like NFL, NBA, MLB when that starts up next year, and college football. All you have to do is pick whether studs like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, Nathan McKinnon will record goals, assists. You can even do plus minus if you want. You can also do saves with goaltenders and all that good stuff. And to win a 100 times bet on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight 
player stats. You heard me, Penguins fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host, Patrick Dam. So, whew, another big week coming up for this hockey team. Starts on Wednesday against the red-hot New York Rangers, a team that has taken the league by storm this year. I thought the Rangers were going to be a playoff team. It's funny, I said before the season, I thought the, I thought the Penguins could potentially compete with them for the third spot in the Metro. I didn't think they would be competing for the top spot in the Metro, but Peter Lavulette has those boys playing really well. Artemi Panarin has been incredible this year. They have Shesterkin back. They are just getting contributions from everywhere in that lineup. And man, that is going to be a very tough game for the Penguins to win. They did split the four games against the Rangers last year. Penguins beat them twice in Pittsburgh before losing both games at Madison Square Garden. But another big test for this game on Wednesday. It's the annual Thanksgiving Eve game. Always a fun crowd for this one. But what are you looking for in this game against the Rangers, Pat? Well, I want to give myself a pat on the back because I said this is kind of what would happen with the Rangers this year. I didn't think it would be to this level, but yeah, I said I they, were, they, they were going to get the LaViolette bump. Every team that LaViolette goes to in the first couple of years, they end up being a lot better than you think. And he is the ultimate short-term solution of a coach because you you will he will get blood from a stone for three to four years and then everybody tunes him out yep so you know he did it in philly he did it in nashville like he, in washington. he does it did in washington he does it everywhere he goes so that's but the biggest thing for them the guys that i'm watching that he's getting the most out of are lafreniere and capo caco lafreniere is finally living up to being the number one pick in the draft and it's good to see i, I wasn't ready to call him a bust just yet but i was kind of at the point where okay you've been in the league for a little bit now it's time to show why you were a number one pick. And to his credit, he has been good this year. Capo Caco, I agree. But I think they haven't even gotten out enough out of Mika Zibanejad this year. Yeah. He starts cooking a little bit. This team, I think, is going to be even scarier than they already are. They've won four in a row. They're 9-0-1 in their last 10. And they are winning these games. Igor Shosturkin just came back. He was banged up for a little bit. They have been winning games with Jonathan Quick, who has somehow turned the clock back. He has been awful these last few years. And they even won a game or two with old pal Louis Domingue. Louis Domingue got them a win or two, man. They are just playing stout hockey right now. And for the Penguins for this one, and we'll preview this game later this week, Tuesday and Wednesday before the game, I still want to see them commit to that level of defense. And I'm looking maybe also for a big vintage Crosby game, man. He's owned the Rangers throughout his career. I think he, he'll be fired up for this one. This is an opportunity for the Penguins to show that yeah, you know, we, we can compete with the best team in the division and a bona fide Stanley Cup contender. They showed that against Vegas, even though that's a Western Conference team. And of course, they are the champs. But now to do this against a team in your own division, a team that you'll be playing not just two times throughout the year, it's a big opportunity for them in this one. Yeah. And it's then, you know, you go from the Rangers who have looked like one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. You got another shot against Buffalo who while struggling is still pretty good. They're, they're a young, like I, I say this all the time about them. They're ahead of schedule 
I think, you know, a lot of people, I think, expected them to be better than they are. They're still very much on track to be a good team in the next few years. I think a lot of people just got a little bit ahead of themselves when it comes to the Sabres. Thanks, but Matt. again, call me out. <laughs> but again, uh, it's not an easy team to play. They're young, they're fast, they're talented. And when you're a young, fast, talented team that doesn't know any better, sometimes you go into Pittsburgh or they come to you and you end up beating them. And then all of a sudden, next night in Pittsburgh, Kyle Dubas's old squad comes to town. And even when the, and that team looks like they have suddenly figured it out. They went from struggling the first few weeks of the season where everything started to look kind of bad in Toronto like it always does. And just on schedule, right on time like they always do, they start heating up. And that's a very, very, very good team in Toronto. Leafs are 10-5-2 and five and two right now. And just to go back to your Sabres point, yeah, I mean, no Tage Thompson definitely hurts, though. One of the best goal scorers in the league. His loss is going to be felt for as long as he's out. Buffalo still below 500. Again, I predicted him to make the playoffs. I was pretty high on Devin Levi heading into the year. He just hasn't lived up to the hype just yet. He's also still a pretty young goalie, and defensively they haven't been there just yet either. Big opportunity for the Penguins in that one, and then you said it for Toronto. They are playing some very good hockey as of late. And can we shout out Alex Nylander's brother, William, for this start that he is off to? 12 goals, 27 points in 17 games, playing like a contender for the Hart Trophy. This season. Yeah. He was on another level. Austin Matthews, you know what you're going to get out of him. 14 goals, 21 points in 17 games. Mitch Marner's averaging over a point per game. John Tavares has been very good. Morgan Riley's been great. Their top players are all playing like their top players. They're very potent, and the Penguins are going to have to be on their A game for that one, even though it's it's a back-to-back. For that one, it's funny. Buffalo, Toronto, I would start Nadelkovic against Buffalo, and I would put Jari against Toronto. I think that just makes the most sense. But three very good offensive teams, a lot of talent that's going to be coming to Pittsburgh where the Penguins are going to be going to that destination, Buffalo, I should say. Three big games for this hockey team, man. And you know you want to keep building off that momentum that you've had in November with the shutouts, with the way you've been committed to team defense, with the way Crosby has been playing, the rest of the top six outside of Ricard Raquel, you finally got some depth scoring. Nedeljkovic is playing well. Hopefully you get the good version of Jari in a couple of these starts. Penguins have another big opportunity this week to get some points. And if you can somehow win all three of those games, man, you'll have won, what is it, nine of your last 11 games in the month of November? That's very solid after that start that the Penguins had. So just a massive opportunity, man, coming up here with the schedule. Got to go kind of full Mike Tomlin on this one right now. The only important game right now is the next one, and yeah. that's the Rangers. Uh, ideally, in this little stretch, you want to go two and one. If you you know win two, lose one, that's fine. But I think it, it's not a must win against the Rangers but it is a very, very much should win because they got to get back to bank and divisional points. Yeah. They've got to get two clean points against the Rangers and not just a three-point overtime split because this division's tight. It's very tight. And now any chance you get to bank points in division, you have to. If you lose to an Atlantic team in Buffalo or Toronto, no big deal. Or even if you go to overtime, no big deal. But Wednesday night is the big one. Yeah, and you're right. You want to bank 
the two points against a divisional team. And Pat, you don't want those games going to overtime. I don't like giving away loser points in divisional games, but I think that will do it for this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. We'll be back with another episode for you all on Tuesday. And actually, Pat, I'm going to hand this over to you. What does the schedule look like for this week? Because obviously it's Thanksgiving here in the United States, one of my favorite holidays each year. We're not going to have an episode every day for you all because of the holiday. So, Pat, I'm going to let you fill in the listeners on what the schedule looks like for this week. So the schedule is going to get a little silly around Thanksgiving. So what we're going to do here today is obviously we'll have this one up today. We'll be back tomorrow uh, with another episode. And then we're going to record twice on Wednesday. So here's what we're going to do. Wednesday morning, we're going to do our usual episode. We'll get you ready for the Rangers game that that morning, early afternoon. We'll have our preview out. And then because the both of us are absolute and total sickos, what we're going to do is we're going to record after the Rangers game on Wednesday night. We will have that episode up on Thanksgiving morning, and that will be a recap of the Rangers game as well as a preview to get you ready for the back-to-backs this coming weekend on Friday and Saturday. And the two of us are going to take Black Friday off, and then we will be back on Monday the 27th to recap the back-to-backs and get you ready for that week ahead. And then we'll have a full slate of episodes for you all this week, that week, excuse me. So that's the schedule for this week. And then we'll get you all set for the following week after. Again, thank you all so much for tuning into this one. Really appreciate it. We'll be back with another episode for you all on Tuesday.